Hello and welcome to Stirring the Pot Entertainment Studios premier pop culture podcast. I'm your host as always, Derek Emmanuel Jean-Baptiste, the first and the last. Today we have... It's me, Asia. And... John. And... Sam. It's a stacked house today, folks. Um, everyone's here, everyone's present, and everyone is alright. How is everyone? Pretty good. I think, I think all right summed up pretty well. I concur. Um, what me- what media is everyone consuming right now? Like, watch anything, play anything, uh, try anything out, try anything new? Oh, um, I'm reading a DBZ fanfic. What's that mm-hmm. fanfic about? Oh, it's about if all the Saiyans were in a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I finished The Good Place recently. I love that show. It's awesome. I watched season four on Amazon Prime, and I paid for it like a schmuck, but I had to, I had to watch it. It's so good. Um... And playing a lot of No Man's Sky, as you guys probably all already know. Someone said the word Shinobi Strikers, and ever since then, I've been in a trance, and I've known nothing of the outside world. Nothing except Shinobi and Strike. Well, I've been consuming the Dragon Ball Dice Tenshus. They're like the data books made um, years ago. In the 90s from Akira Toriyama, just about okay. the show, mm-hmm. for uh, an upcoming podcast episode. So that's nice. fun. Cool. Is it like in-universe stuff or behind the scenes? In-universe. So it's kind of like, like... Just like canon explanations. Like the actual stuff. Fantastic Beasts and where to find them and exactly. Quidditch Three Ages and all those other dumb books she wrote. Exactly. Wait. You mean J.K. Rowling? Yeah. Gross. But yeah. It, it, to be clear... Uh, I don't really think that the companion books are dumb. I own the Tales of Beetle the Bard. I think it's kind of cool. Didn't realize I would kill the conversation. Uh, so oh, this is a this is a no uh, J.K. Rowling household. Oh, don't be wrong. I hate J.K. Rowling. She's awful and she sucks. Um, and the books are incredibly problematic. Sorry, but, uh, the, Sorry. the companion pieces were analogous. That that um, this is a no J.K. Rowling household. Not only includes the like transphobic comments, but it's just like um, Sam. She's never read the books and at this or never seen the movies, and at this point, it's just a boycott of them. Mm-hmm. Like because not because of what was said, also because of that, but also. Um, her entire life, she's had to deal with people saying that hey, the Harry Potter stuff's the yeah. most like. The, the best thing in the world. And now where are those people? <laughs> yeah. Like my whole, like my entire academic career, even to this day, people from my, that, who I talked to in high school, they would like, not only would I be like, yeah, I never watched the Harry Potter movies, but they would be like, you never seen the Harry Potter movies? We're going to watch all the movies in sequence. It's 24 hours. Strap in. I've never met anyone who's that into the movies. That's funny. That's, that's all I've met. That's funny. I, I know that's... people were pretty into the books, but I've never met someone who's like, you haven't seen the movies? What's wrong with you? John, I need, I need to do an experiment. Next time you meet someone who's just like, oh yeah, Harry Potter. Tell them you didn't see the movies or read the books. That you know nothing about the show. I guarantee you, they will com- They'll like rant to you. I- I'm going to be honest. Uh, in, in my line of work and with the people that I regularly speak to, that conversation is never going to come up. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I, for a while, I'm probably not going to meet somebody who's into Harry Potter. I used to work at the Harry Potter places. The Harry mm-hmm. Potter World. Land. At Universal, uh, for a second, I thought I, I thought that was one of like my internship internship things. And I was like, Derek, did you sign an NDA that says that you can't talk about this? It's like, no, that's Universal. It's fine. Yeah, I can talk about this. Oh, <laughs> uh, I used to work there, and I used to pretend that I didn't know what they were talking about. That's funny. Like, okay. I read all the books. I didn't see all the movies. I read all the books, and I they'd be like, Oh, who's your favorite character in Harry Potter? I just work here. <laughs> Which one's Harry Potter? I'm at a bank. <laughs> I'm at my job at the bank. Harry, who's that? The wizarding world of, of, yeah. It's a wizard place. There's magic. What else did I need? Who the hell is <laughs> Harry? Because don't you live? Wasn't your job in Hogsmeade or something? It was in uh, Gringotts Bank. Uh, that one's in Diagon Alley. Yeah. Yeah. I that only, places. only say this like it matters because there are two different parks in Universal. You're right. Are they the link between? Yeah. The Hogwarts Express link. Between. Yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. so today, what are we talking about, Derek? Oh, yeah, today. Um, oh, that's a perfect transition. Hogwarts school, 
Um, we live in a world where there's a global pandemic currently happening and school has to go back in session um, in like a few weeks. Uh, for me, I'm supposed to start in like three weeks. And they just had to so push soon. they had to push the start of school back a month because the glowing the growing rates of like uh, coronavirus cases, yeah. which uh, Florida has reached a record in the world. Yeah, Florida's the epicenter of the disease yeah. internationally. Oh, I live here. Uh, it's about right. as bad as Wuhan was when this all started. I, I live here. Which is uh, <laughs> that's where everything started. So yeah. That's I'm that's just, where we're at after oh, after months of quarantining and, and uh, lockdown and all this stuff. It's as bad and much much worse than the place where this all started. I'm but anyway, and so that got me thinking. I'm a teacher who's currently working on my lesson plan for the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say with confidence. You know, I'm not, I'm not even I'm not going to touch that yet. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that yet because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, the plan is to start school at the end of August, right? But I'm going to propose an idea that we're going to explore throughout this episode of Stirring the Pot. And that is, what if we had some additional ways that we can educate children? I'm going to suggest a thing that I've been studying since my undergraduate degree. Um, It was my college, uh, like, capstone, studying the effects of utilizing alternative strategies of education to better increase education output Mm -hmm. right so what i was thinking about is and what i focused on was using video games to help with education right off the top of our heads we can i think we can all think of using video games in a sense throughout our time in education right can any of you guys share like because, like, for example, I use Reading Rabbit in middle school. I mean, in elementary school. What are some examples of, like, other things that you guys have done? So, mine's kind of weird, but it's also the simplest of all these, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start real quick. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V uh, actually, surprisingly, helped me with driving. Not in the sense of, you know, playing the game, um, but in terms of spatial awareness. Because uh, one thing I had trouble with when I first started driving was backing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I noticed in playing Grand Theft Auto, you have that top-down view of the car, and uh, occasionally I, what I would do is I would practice backing up in the game. Not that it helped me physically get better at backing up, but it helped me visualize how the car moves and works and sort of how you need to operate it in that sense. Um, so in terms of having basically a spatial awareness simulator, that actually really helped me. Uh, and I think they're not just in terms of learning things, but video games can be really helpful in just giving you not even experience, but uh, showing off something and, and giving you a chance to view it from a third-person perspective, which I think is really helpful. Wow, I honestly did not expect that. That's very helpful. It sounds like a joke answer <laughs> when, you, when you say, oh yeah, GTA helped me drive. But like it's, you know, when you think about it, just sort of viewing that third-person mm-hmm. perspective just... It gave me an extra angle on how to visualize what my car is doing when I was trying mm-hmm. to back up. And especially as it's like it's a it's a game, so if you don't you don't risk hurting it's, anyone's car. Yeah, the, yeah, you you can experiment uh, without uh, repercussions really. Mm-hmm. Um My experiences with using um, video games as educational purposes is um, as a kid, my parents were really big on education, so they got me like jumpstart games where I would like so I'm like so as a kid I was really good at math it was like leapfrog jumpstart right? yeah I was like I had leapfrog I had jumpstart because they really wanted me to be a doctor so they got me like the biology leapfrog and they made me practice learning all the bones in the body um so that's fun how many did you learn um I only know remember like the tibia the humorous because I thought it sounded funny um the femur I don't remember them anymore um but yeah, but I was but the the math one since there's like a pattern with it. Are you test me? Uh, that's that's three out of two hundred six bones. That's a that's a one percent. You uh. Did you, you calculate? We, that was a test just now. You failed spectacularly. It, we need to get jump start back in here. Two hundred six different types, or is it just two hundred six in your body? Individual bones. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, there's two hundred six individual bones, and they all have different names. N- no, what I do you mean I. So there's two hundred six bones, mm-hmm. but are they count like. Are they counting like? Oh, you're right. Because like, there's two femurs. There's two. Yeah. Yeah. 
are so does that mean there are 206 individual different named types of bones or they're just 206 bones in your body i think in your body i think it's 206 bones in yeah 206 individual bones mm-hmm. irregardless of what they're named yeah mm-hmm. so so we'll double it that's two percent congrats <laughs> got two percent Considering uh, I lived that when I was like in like f- when I was like five, um, phalanges. <laughs> but yeah, but my math skills were really spot on because it was more of a pattern. Because if there's two hundred six bones, I can't really pick up any patterns, mm-hmm. and I can't remember where they are. And they don't have like sections for like, hey, learn your leg bones and your. But yeah, but for math, it was like more of a pattern because like, yeah, I remember one plus one is two, and I can visualize that better. So it really helped me a lot considering my math skills did not do great before then so yeah and also it was really fun asia um i like sam also my grandparents were really into technology so my granddad also got me the entirety of jumpstart starting with jumpstart toddler there was a big black and white dog me and him had a lot of fun um and i pretty much played through most if not all of those and then there was leapfrog and then my school would sell like educational games during the book fair so i did like oregon trail and book where in the fair. world is uh carmen san diego and there were like a couple of other ones i played i played a lot of the reading ones a lot um like hooked on phonics and reader rabbit and stuff like that um so yeah just like across the board and then they'd give me like different consoles like there was that leapfrog book and there was this like handheld learning game and just a bunch just a bunch of stuff those are fun to me i really enjoyed those i i never didn't have like kind of like in the leapfrog books they have like it was mostly bone stuff but they were also like little reading sections where like you read along and if you didn't know where you just press it and it'll tell you yeah which i appreciate does it? I'm not a because I I come from like an immigrant background, so my parents didn't know English, so I had to like kind of rely on myself to learn and read by myself when I wasn't at school. So yeah. So, with all that being said, now we can go into the deeper part of this. Um, education in general is always in a constant state of flux. One day it takes one shape or form; the next day it takes another. Even before the pandemic, we were currently in the midst of a change in our current educational system. By the end of this change, could we see textbooks be replaced with video games? What are your thoughts? Ooh. Uh, quick answer, no. Um, I think there's way too much uh, ingrained textbookness mm-hmm. for, for, that, for that change to happen, especially quickly. Um, but I think with the rise of iPads in classrooms, mm-hmm. that will start to increase. I think, if, I think eventually, like far future, maybe. Yeah, because the only reason I was going to say it might is just because I remember being in high school and I would have, like, these ancient textbooks. And the only reason we even still had them because we didn't have money to replace them. Mm-hmm. So I would think it would be, like, like how if they're for your students, and you had an assignment to be reading Percy Jackson, but you got the PDFs for it. And since everyone had access to a computer, you can just read the PDFs and you, everyone didn't have to buy, a, like, a $5 book. But that's still not replacing it with video games. That's just replacing it with, like... Sorry, I just mean, like, like technology. Um, sorry. So the original question of is, what it, do you think it could be replaced with video games? That's a no. 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 I don't think it ever would. And I don't think it would even be better to do so. But I think, like Sam was saying, it works best, like, in tandem with technology. But, um, yeah, like, technology can make having books better, but I don't think just, like, the very concept of books will ever be, or not anytime soon, replaced entirely by video games. Mm -hmm. Like, I play a lot of visual novels, and it's basically like reading a book, Mm -hmm. but more interactive. Mm -hmm. But, like, you don't need to put all that extra stuff in it to make a textbook and I, sometimes I think just the straightforward approach is like it, it, it's like it, it's good yeah um, but yeah I have an answer right beforehand I would clear I would say no right um, I don't think you'd ever replace it as I was doing my research in college I don't think you'd ever replace it mm-hmm. but then I actually was a teacher for a year 
mm-hmm. and actually saw that like the direct approach doesn't work with everyone. Mm-hmm. So, so I do want to clarify real quick, because uh, if the answer is, do I think video games could be better than textbooks? I do think that's yes. I think there is the way alternative, but do I think literally will it happen? Probably not for a long time. But, but I think in the feasibility, I, I agree that uh, video games could definitely uh, be very useful, something more useful than textbooks. Probably you finish. And... I, I, I was going to say, I was going to go deeper into my answer after we go into a little background of why people have even started using video games as a learning device, mm-hmm. right? Um, educational psychology is kind of a new experimental field of psychology. It's really new, really crazy. You can kind of do whatever you want with it because it's just kind of expanding the boundaries of what constitutes education, right? So a big idea that's been going on since uh, the creation of Pac-Man was could we utilize video games as an educational tool, right? Um, educators saw the sea change when Pac-Man was released. It was like the, one of the first big major games that like gravitated kids towards it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, could we use that could we use the fact that their attention is stuck on that to teach things, right? Um, the first real educational program was called Logo Programming. Um, and it was like made by a Turtle Academy and that was just teaching you how to code. Oh, wow. Right? Really boring, really dry. Didn't really do a lot. But it taught people Mm-hmm. The thing, the main complaint is that kids didn't think this was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a game then. Um, the next educational video game didn't arrive until 1973, which is called Lemonade Stand. It was created as a business simulation game and taught players basic economics. Oh, wow. Hmm. I remember Cool Math had a similar game with like Lemonade or Coffee Shop, where it's just like. Yeah, yeah where it's just like mm-hmm. you're setting up your business and you're trying to do mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, Oregon Trail was the next one, 1982. Um, like, who's who's here has played Oregon Trail? Like, almost everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played Oregon Trail. Yeah. What, what was I supposed to teach people? Um, civics. So, like, just like. Oh, really? Oh. Mm-hmm. Like about the, just like. To... Sorry, civics is what we call like social studies now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of like the, the layout of the land and just yeah. cultures and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's weird because I skipped all that in Oregon Trail. How did you? That's which game? Like, I'm sorry. I played Oregon Trail 2, mm. and that was, in Oregon Trail 2, they kind of, like, embedded it. They were like, which game did you play? The original? The, the original Oregon Trail, oh, yeah. Because okay. like, you learn about stuff, and I was like, it feels like a really educational game, like, you're learning about the different places, mm-hmm. where it's like, you can just show up, and it's like, welcome to Fort Bragg, you can psh, skip all that, yeah, hit spacebar a bunch of times. I'm showing John a picture of Oregon Trail 2. That, that's what Oregon Trail 2 looks like. Yeah, that almost looks like a, like a original Fallout game. It's so funny, and it's so fun, and honestly, I might download it uh, it's after good. this. So, yeah. I think, looking at the pictures of Oregon Trail 2, I think I might have played Oregon Trail 2 as a class, but I don't remember, I don't, like, me personally, I didn't retain anything, because I wasn't the one physically, like, playing it and reading it, and we were doing it as a class, and, like, the class made decisions, and it's like, oh, that's a dumb decision, I wouldn't have made that, so I didn't pay attention. Yeah. So me personally, I didn't learn anything from that because of the way the it was set up. Mm-hmm. Um, pa- passing Oregon Trail, there is there then there became where in the world is Carmen San Diego, Reader Rabbit, um, Number Munchers, all these things trying to capture the zeitgeist of kids playing video games because the constant idea throughout these educators were that um, hey, if we can kids spend so many hours playing video games, if we can turn that into at least a few hours of them like learning something, then that's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So, many of these early game video games were released on home computers, which not a lot of people had access to. Um, when you go like, uh, if you go to like inner city schools, they just didn't have access to these. They probably had one mm-hmm. that they had to share with the entire class. Yeah. Oh. Uh, they're mostly focused on singular broad subjects. Um, simulators were a big hit. Um, like Lemonade Stand, Oregon mm-hmm. Trail, those type of simulators, they kind of immerse people within the idea of like playing through that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it made it more of a game than just doing math on like a weird calculator. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, companies like Scholastic and The Learning Company were pushing out entire series dedicated to edutainment. Um, which is what Entertainment Sue does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So or at least we try to. See that keyword. Um, so that's why that's why like people have fond memories of Scholastic Book Fair, where it's just like, oh. It, uh, yeah. I love it. Um, nowadays, you can kind of find educational video games being made by big companies like Nintendo and Sony with like Brain Age, Little Big Planet, and Minecraft. Mm-hmm. My, all those can be used... Uh, educationally mm-hmm. um, but the number of subjects that modern educational games explore isn't just limited to math science and history minecraft with architecture mm-hmm. um, engineering and engineering um, there was a study done in let me let me make sure I get the researchers right A research, uh, a research done by Saiz Lopez, um, uh, Vasquez Cano, Dominguez Garrido, and Miller J. Uh, the exploring application, attitudes, and integration of video games, Minecraft EDU in middle school, where in Venezuela they started a Minecraft program where it's teaching young architects, uh, engineers, this subject, this craft through Minecraft. Mm-hmm. That started in 2014. Um, they should, a few of them should be graduating soon. Oh, wow. And it, so far it's been quite a success, mm-hmm. right? Um, these different programs are you being utilized across the board to showcase that these games could work. Um, who's here as a fan of match, management games? I am. Hello. It's Asia. Hmm. I love management games. So what do you like about management games? Um, I like seeing numbers go up. Uh, wow. Uh, I haven't really thought about it. It's just, I know management games are like, they give you goals, but a lot of it is like self goals. And it's just starting with something really small and then make, making it grow big and then getting the stamp at the end that says you did it, your success. So have you played management games similar? Like you play the Oregon Trail. Have you ever played like Papers, Please? No. That's a good one. So. Because I'm older now and I require my own money. <laughs> because Oregon Trail, since you played half of that, um, it's, it talks about how those games, if you paid attention to them like you were supposed to, mm-hmm. it helps build empathy. My family. Yeah, because in Oregon Trail 2, they'd have people that you came across on the trail and they'd be like, hey guys. I see your wagon train. We lost everything. My brother's dead. My husband's dying. I have dysentery. Can I have an apple, please? And you're like, whoa, this apple did a lot to make it here. I paid like big bucks for this apple. And then they'd be like, please, I'm dying. All I see is meat for the supply. So... Like, we're talking about a lot of positives for education in video games. Which is why this is where my answer is going to come come through. I don't think it will ever replace traditional learning. That doesn't mean that you can't have it as a big supplement of it. Right? For example, in my class, I'm currently working on a ELA video game to help teach, like, writing. Right? We have the teaching I give you. You have the notes you take while, while I'm teaching. And there's also this companion game. This extra DLC of learning that you can play. Um, I s- For free. I set it up like, so unlike a lot of other like learning games, I set it up like Final F- the old Final Fantasy games. Mm. So it's like, it's a sprite game, um, turn-based combat, but there is a story that I created. And in order to get through the story, I work in a bunch of like ELA questions, ELA problems, um, in a way that's intrusive to the story, but if you want to get through the story, you need to know these things. Mm-hmm. Right? So, 
that I, I was only able to try it with one group before the um, before the school year ended and the coronavirus sent everyone home because the plan was to see how well that group did during the end of the year exams compared to like everyone else mm-hmm. right because they they were my tutor group they all we did in tutoring was play this game mm-hmm. and I had enough copies that everyone got to play right um, I don't know if it works right I haven't had the chance to see if it works mm-hmm. but and that's the problem we run into the effect of edutainment gays have on children is not well documented. Um, according to Ruth Clark and Richard Mayer, there are four common pitfalls that educational games can stumble into. Um, one, the game's too difficult. Um, it's too cluttered with just, like, stuff. Like too much information? Too much information. So it's hard to retain? Mm-hmm. Not enough educational portions. I fear mine may have ran into that. Where it's just like, I made a fun game, but mm-hmm. like, if they just remember the fun game and not like... What, I'm getting the, the information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And active discovery in games may prevent retention. The very nature of how games work, where it's always just like, you need to go like get something, or yeah. like, that may pause the retention of information. Cause I'll say, for example, this. Uh, I played Skyrim for, I don't know how long. Uh, if you asked me to draw a map of like, white run to riverwood the two main towns i probably couldn't so in terms of at least for example say geography or uh you know social like for example if you're doing like a history game it's like mm-hmm. oh what is a populated town and that's how you learn about the old town um like you're saying with the act of discovery people might just gloss over all the history stuff and just kind of do the game that's mm-hmm. a perfect example of that is assassin's creed um origins which had a history mode which you like they in the gameplay itself they had like a discovery portion mm-hmm. in the history mode you did like a guided museum like tour of you like running through the world and like it's like hey this is what this is this that is what this cool. is the problem is because it's a game and even though they had like professors work on it it may have been hard to like actually like retain that information because I did that mm-hmm. I don't I I can't recall what I saw. Is it yeah. like you have to go through it twice? Once for discovery, second time for retention? Exactly. And even then, like, I wonder if having to go through it twice would make up for it. Because if you have a game that you like that's fun, you like you don't mind playing it through multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if the alternative is just like, so you can sit down through this book. Or, because okay, you can only play through something for the first time once. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think part of it also might just be at a certain point, it's just the the parkour of Assassin's Creed kind of overshadows the history. And it's like, it, it's you can learn from it, but I think that act of discovery is big, where it's like, it's the actual gameplay is over. It's like, even if you do it a million times, um, you're still kind of being brought in by the, the parkour and the fun traversal, and it's, it's it may be overshadowing the game. And it's not like exactly that's going to happen but it's the concept this conversation has made me think about one mistake of my game that i i need to go back and rectify mm-hmm. um once a student loses and like they have to like start over it's no longer about hey what was that thing what was that portion of ela like oh what does the conclusion need in mm-hmm. order to pass it's no longer that it's like oh okay that's the second one that's the first one it's like they're just remembering yeah the placements it, of it yeah so you need like a randomized thing for it yeah it could be gibberish words but because they know which ones go where that's mm-hmm. what they've learned mm-hmm. and sorry oh, no that's sorry. what i was, oh. what I was gonna say oh sorry okay i was also gonna say is like i know that for your specific game they also need to go to certain like totems yeah and like it's like oh yeah i start all the way over let me just like get go to this these st- totems like click through it yeah because i thought i rectified that by like because i could have added like what visual novels have where if like, you've been through the text already you can just skip it and I was like, no, we'll just click through it. But then now I'm remembering that my kid's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Shut up. Mm. Shut up. As they're just like clicking through it. That's fair. I was with you in that um, that one time I went to tutoring with you. Um, so 
that those four things are like the big like hurdles. And the thing is, it doesn't seem like a lot. I'm just like they're four, but it's like those are like huge. That's a big hurdles. four. Mm-hmm. Like if you make a game too easy, mm-hmm. it's not engaging. It's not engaging. Yeah. If it's too hard, like if the questions that like make it educational are too hard, they're not going to get anything to it, and then kids are just going to get frustrated. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a classic video game question itself of how challenging should a game be? How, you know, should there always be an easy mode or a, a story mode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Oh, no, I was going to say it after you finished going through the list because I had a comment on that. Cluttered. Like, I... Each section of my game focused on a different part of the... A different part of the ELA essay. Mm-hmm. A different part of, like, grammar and a different part of, like, spelling. And that's already pretty cluttered. And I couldn't yeah. even imagine doing it for other subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, not enough educational portions. Um, you don't want to just make like a virtual test. Yeah. So, but the problem is, depending on how the student learns, they can like really not get anything from this. And then after discovery and games may prevent retention, games are all about discovery. So yeah. like when you take out discovery and games, what do you have? And aside, it's really, aside from the first one, it all kind of boils down to how much of it should be video game and how much of it should be learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that fine, because it's, obviously the best answer is it's both. It's a video game that you learn from, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, it's really hard to get there. So how do you kind of mm-hmm. heavy-handed make each part each? And I was going to say, um, going back to this, I also feel like these, like, four things are also, like... A critique of like when you're just traditionally learning as well it's like if you don't understand the material if it's too cluttered if there's too much information and you're being overwhelmed it's just hard to learn in general mm-hmm. and that was the first part i was going to say the other part was what john john just said something that triggered a memory um mm-hmm. god could you think on that memory sure sorry um do you necessarily need discovery for video games? Because I can think of like a lot of games that people sink literal hours into that are just repetition, which is kind of what like, isn't that, I guess when I think of education and video games, repetition is a big thing that helps you sink the information in. So. Yeah, Asia, could you give me an example of a video game like Candy that? Crush. A lot of management games don't necessarily have a discovery portion because you're just trying to, like, they give you the goal. You're not really discovering anything. You're just figuring out what works. Because when I use discovery, I'm not saying just, like, discovering something new. Like, even if it's just, like, you discover it once. Like, you discovered a way to make the money in the management game one time and it was able to stick with you. Okay. Sorry, I I was saying this like this because I'm not sure... What, and, then what do you mean by discovery? I guess it's more broad, where it's just like... Um, so, for example... Uh, I, I was going to quote the study. Oh, go ahead, yeah. They found that whenever they used, in, in regards to like teaching kids through video games, that the very act that it was through a video game, they had to discover it through the mechanics of the game. Students couldn't um, apply what they learned from the video game to real life. Or like to like their studies in real life, where it's just like, hey, they use the example of management games, or it's just like, hey, you learn how to do this math equation through this management game. Now do it on the test. Um, but it's like they learn how to do it for the management game, but they couldn't apply those same principles to like the real life tests that they had. Yeah, so they weren't learning the formula; they were just learning how to do the game. And it's just, it, it, it happened to be the game used the formula. Yeah. But they weren't really learning that. They were learning the game. And I'm sorry, this isn't the way that I'm using Discovery. This is the way that Ruth Clark and Richard, and Richard Mayer used it. So like an example, I think, of Discovery, and that's not super example, is uh, in Candy Crush, or any you know, Bejeweled-style game, uh, like learning how to do a specific combo that gets you like a super candy that like explodes a bunch of rows, I feel like that would count for Discovery. Like even though like, you're not like learning something new or unlocking a map or getting like a new combo or ability just learning how the game works itself in part can be discovery um, I, I think that's my understanding of it that's pretty much how they explained it yeah. like the, I, I, I will admit this is a study where like this is just 
this was like a catalog study where they like took all these like educational studies and then like parsed it Mm -hmm. into the all the different problems that they found in these studies so is discovery more just like game mechanics i think so yeah not necessarily like discovery and the colloquial sense of the word but the fact that you're learning game mechanics as opposed to actually like what the game mechanics are there for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that makes sense again. Because it's just like, if you're, like you said, with the management game, I might, I don't know, I'm just going to throw education words out there. I don't know. I might be using the quadratic formula to figure this out. <laughs> but if the game's not upfront with me about the fact that, hey, this is a quadratic formula, this is what you're doing mm-hmm. when you're doing X, Y, and Z, exactly. then why yeah. would I know that I have this tool at all um, to use yeah. during this. Yeah. So like, like with Assassin's Creed, you might not be learning, oh, this is the Louvre, this is this museum, it does all this stuff. You might just think, okay, I need to get past the big pyramid building and then I can go to the tall one that's next to it. Or the best pro pyramid? Yeah, like no, you're not learning this stuff. You're just learning, mm-hmm. this is the pyramid building, okay, next to it's that tall building, I can jump off that into the haystack. Then I can, you know, synchronize. And then these four problems run into each other. So it's like, if you're just like, okay, hey kids, this is the quadratic equation. This is what you've been using the entire time. Then it runs into being clutch. Where it's just like, the kids can't just parse the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, it's not that. Sorry, I feel like, I feel like with our audience base, they should know that. It's not that we're saying kids are dumb. It's just that. Sometimes it's hard to connect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like it happens a lot in like World of Valor. Sorry, but yeah, where it's just like I I'm playing the game. My character is doing these things. Derek said the words. But then Derek will have to explain to me later what actually happened in a more condensed, straightforward form because as it was happening and I was left to interpret things based on what knowledge I had, I came to a completely different conclusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not technically learning about the world even though I ex- like I like experienced everything because it wasn't like, I don't know. I don't act because you get it. We've yeah, said things. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like clear, it wasn't like, because of all the other problems of learning stuff through games, it wasn't like as clear to you. And that's fine. That's just, that runs into the problem of distributing information like this. Yeah, because the, the, the clearer something is, the less like a game it's probably going to be. Yeah, and that's why people are just like, yeah, traditional education will never go away because it's me just telling you, Sam, that that's the quadratic equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what you need. And that's why I think it it's better as a mixture of yeah. yeah. Where it's like you get me hardcore Mr. Jean Baptiste, like, uh, this is this is how you write an essay. This is what you do. This is what you do. Here are the rules. Here's mm-hmm. the, here's the parameters you have to follow under. Now here's this game. And then you practice it. Yeah, because yeah, I, I definitely feel like just kind of colloquially, I you know, I haven't looked into the science of it. I feel like learning the actual concepts traditionally uh, can definitely help you get a, a basis of understanding of them and then playing these games can help you implement them and how to use mm-hmm. them and like become familiar with them. So then once you have a basic understand like I think learning something for the first time in a video game can be very difficult. But if you're if you're using that to um, reinforce yeah, reinforce the knowledge to use it in certain ways to become familiar with it to um, you know to memorize it more. I think mm-hmm. that could be certainly a a tool for it. So not so much of learning but of reinforcing. It's a good yeah. word Asia. Cuz what Asia like, as soon as I forgot the word, it went into Asia's mind. She just said it for me. Um, and that's how we work, baby. <laughs> um, the repetitiveness of a game, like, in terms of, like, practicing these things constantly. Because like, I was, like, thinking back to, like, how I learned math. And it's just, like, yeah, me constantly having to do the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe practice these specific skills and adding and subtracting and multiplying. Mm-hmm. But I know for language arts, it's not exactly... You can't exactly be repetitive in that sense. Yeah. Because what you're teaching these kids is to write an essay at the end of the year. It's hard to do that when there's so many different ways to write essays. There's, it's, like, a lot more subjective. And so you can teach them, like, the skills to write an essay. But getting practice and perfecting that is not, like, math. It's not one answer. Yeah. So, Yes. So um, I just want to get that out there. <laughs> um, 
Yes. Um, I might be uh, jumping, jumping ahead, but does this cover? Do, does your uh, did you cover any of like? This is gonna sound stupid. I'm finding the words, like the psychology behind video games of what makes like these kids co keep coming back, or is it just like a broad discussion? Because I guess while I'm, we're talking about it, I'm thinking of stuff like I've seen kids like go to in the classroom where teachers will have left me work and they'll be like, oh, I hear you, I hear you, I see, I see. Miss so-and-so left this. But what I want to do today is I want to go on Freckle or I want to go on iStation or something like that. What? Where, oh, I should. Okay. Uh, Freckle isn't necessarily a game. It's just a bunch of math problems. And you have an avatar, a cute little avatar animal, where if you, like, if you, as you do these math problems, you get coins, and then you can buy stuff to put on your avatar. So it's like a game, but you're not, like, the game, that portion you're playing is just answering actual, just real-life problems. Yeah, the, the gamification doesn't come in the math, it's just you do all the math, and then you get rewards right. for it after. I do have an answer for that. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna theorize. I'm like, is it just the one? Is it just like, yeah, I could either be doing math problems for free, or I could be also getting coin and like, you know, making sure my avatar looks great in this game. Um, is it also like the reward in your like the reward systems in your brain? Just like, yeah, the addictiveness of that. Um, it's a combination of multiple factors. Mm -hmm. One, the very aspect of you tell a kid that it's a game. Um, Myers did a study on it where it was just like, okay, so I told this kid that this was a game, and so they tried a bit more because games mm -hmm. offer some type of reward system for kids, mm -hmm. right? Um, like for me, something that was very successful wasn't something like that. It was like, hey, kids, um, if you get an A in my class, um, I'll buy you a gift card. Like if you get an A in every, every quarter in my class. I'll buy you a gift card. I'll buy you a gift card. I'll buy you the Fortnite Battle Pass. <laughs> um, and then the thing is, it, it became a game for Asia, for Asia students. It seems like it was, one, a break from the norm, right, that that represented. And even though it was just, like, math problems, um, that break from just, like, doing it off paper means a lot to kids. Two, Sam, Sam, Sam's theory was right. It does come down to the fact that that avatar system is actually genius and part of that game because the kids don't get anything out of it but it's just like it feels like you do yeah like oh if i do like 500 problems and get one coin each i unlock more parts in this very simple very cheap dress-up game yeah mm -hmm. Oh, my only thing was this was gonna be like kind of an offshoot. That's when you were saying like, yeah, when kids say something's a game, it makes you it makes them try harder. It reminded me of my mom telling me like, yeah, we're gonna play the clean the house game. We're gonna wash the dishes. We're gonna clean your room. And me as a child, it's like, yes, yeah, a game. This is fun. I'm having fun. Go on. Um, also, like researchers have found that the very act of going on like a computer or a device makes some kids ready to learn. Especially if they have, if they don't have access to that as much, so that's why you might find um, they said that areas that don't have as much technology access, those kids might thrive more once you introduce even a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Is it because like the whole thing of I'm gonna say something completely different, but understand my meaning? Where it's just like, oh, don't work in bed. Don't do other, if you're having trouble sleeping. Don't do other things in bed. Only use your bed for sleep. That way, when you get into bed, your body's like, oh, okay, time to start powering down. If you're like at your desk and you're having problems, like focus. Don't play around at your desk. That only do work at your desk. That way, when you get to your desk, you know it's focus time. Yeah. So it's like when they get to the computer, they know it's focus time versus kids who have more computer access it's a more recreational thing mm -hmm. so they might be less focused because it's like oh it's playtime when i get on the computer at home it's time to like goof off it's actually a really good way to say it that's a really good way to say it because that's exactly that's that's pretty much what it does because so it's like so at the beginning of the uh 21st century mm -hmm. uh 
introducing computers may have been a little bit more effective than yeah. now, where it's just like they have a, a more than not, especially at my school, kids have a more powerful phone, uh, a more powerful computer in their hand compared yeah. to the computers at my school. So it's just like by the time they get to that computer, it's just like okay. Yeah, computers are just so ingrained in society. Almost mm-hmm. everyone has one all the time. Yeah, which is something I think is just one. Just as technology is crazy to me that like something that took up an entire room and cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars is like a child's plaything. Thank you for that because now video games cost less. <laughs> <laughs> video games do cost less, and there are a few applications of video games in learning. Mm-hmm. Through um, integration of engaged learning methods and three theoretical dimensions of psychology. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of words, but it pretty much just translates to hey, here are three different ways that uh, education psychology has definitely approves you on the psychological level. Mm-hmm. The first one is cognitive aspects of learning through gaming, like what improves through that. The second one is behaviorism in video games. And the third one is humanist theory and empathy training. Um, we've lightly touched on all these already. Um, a study from the American Psychological Association, uh, the APA, they did a study called The Benefits of Playing Video Games. And they found that um, first of all, they differentiate video games by genre along two dimensions. Social, non-social games, and simple, complex game. They, they further identify four key areas where video games may benefit an, an individual. Cognitive processes, motivation, emotion, and social. Social, non-social games are like games that you can play online with others. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, hey, there's a social aspect of the game, or you can avoid that. And the way that you avoid that can inform four key areas of brain cognition john brought up and simple complex is like games that force you to try something that might change you on the cognitive function john brought up um, gta 5 Mm -hmm. learning how to drive through that and that's a perfect example of a simple complex game that helped improve his cognitive processes through the game Mm -hmm. that's just like uh, a first-hand example of that working for john yeah Uh, behaviorism um, video games in its, in its core provide a reward and punishment environment. That's what um, Asia saw with her students. Um, learning how to beat the rat race is the ultimate goal. However, the rewards are mostly intrinsic. Intrinsic, yeah. Yeah, the rewards don't have value unless you give them value. Um, and then finally, empathy training. We touched on that with like Papers, Please and... Um, Oregon Trail. An Oregon Trail. The video games just really work well to teach kids empathy. Um, that's why, like, when people are just like, oh, Grand Theft Auto is killing our kids, it doesn't seem. So, funny enough, with this study, it doesn't seem to work the opposite way. There hasn't been any research that's shown that video games increase and em- decrease empathy. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's just like, as. Even children can separate for what's real and what's fake if they have enough cognitive ability to play a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, but it seems to only work the other way, where it's like you're presented with games that force you like, to make moral conjuries. And it's just like, okay, so this, I'm getting this information. I can grow more from that seeing by seeing the situation that people are put, on, put in within games like Papers, Please. Yeah, because something I think is interesting, and especially when it comes to empathy in general, um, it's the more exposure you have to other kinds of people and other kinds of cultures and, and other perspectives, it kind of broadens your viewpoint a little. And, and video games can do that. They can you know show you these new experiences and these new situations in which to be empathetic. It's hard to narrow that view in, in a situation like a video game. Yeah. It, that usually something like that takes you know years and a culture and you know just time but um so it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's the door really only swings one way mm-hmm. typically and we don't have the studies for it but that's what it's, it's looking towards yeah all the studies i saw that they've tried researching they've tried researching to see if um psychopathic tendencies can be measured yeah. through like could be grown through video games and from all their infant resources been not conclusive 
And they have to, when you're doing research, you have to be very clear. So when they say non-conclusive, it's like, yeah, we have no evidence that this exists. Yeah. But we can't say for sure it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Which is why you get people who are still being like, yeah, cancel all, like, rated M video games. Yeah. Because I feel like at this point, there's enough incentive that if there was a study that could show that video games made people less empathetic, even anecdotally, I feel like people would be running with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was just trying to think of, like, why that is. And it's just, like, what John was saying, it it takes more effort to actually, like, look at the different views. And a lot of times, like, the game then rewards you for it. Yeah. And the alternative in those games ends up, like, being a game over. And if you're just going through a game that already, like GTA, where you don't really get rewarded for that, and you get rewarded for the opposite, does that just push the game more into, like, this is a game territory because Mm. it is? Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it in the sense of if a game isn't rewarding empathy, I'm just going to restate what you said, Um, but if a game isn't rewarding empathy, then um, people just stop taking it seriously. Whereas if, if it is, you know, I think, for example... People can tell the difference between GTA V and The Last of Us. You know, the, the stories are very different. And GTA V is a story, but not like an actual story story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, when someone's learning from it, then they, they take it more seriously and they lean into it more. And they're empathetic towards the characters. But again, as Asia said, uh, I don't know why I'm resetting all this, but I'm, I'm in too deep now. Um, when, <laughs> when, they, when the game stops, like when I play GTA, uh, I don't think of people as not humans anymore. It's just, it's, it's a game. Yeah. It's like, and I think that's that's a clear distinction that you can have if GTA was a bit more realistic. Like, let's say you hit someone with a car, and then you had to like see, and yeah, like you had to like, if you had that. to go to court, and it was like, hey, here's the trial of that that random NPC. Like, if you had to do that for every time you hit an NPC, yeah. the but game would family. absolutely. But then be, game, make oh, more sorry. Empathetic. Sorry, we were talking about. But also, it would be less of a game. It would more just be an empathy simulator. But then, on top of that, games that do run on your engagement empathetically, they do go through that extra mile. They do try to put the writing and the extra work in to make you connect in that way. Whereas games that don't run on empathy, which tend to be the kind of games that people say are gonna like detract empathy from a regular person, don't put that much work into having you like do the work of actively rejecting empathy that would have you lean towards more towards that in real life Mm -hmm. yeah because where it's like if you have to unlearn empathy or if you have to be unempathetic in real life you have to like actively reject it in the game yeah and that's not what the games that people blame and have you do yeah and then even the games that let you play like a quote-unquote bad guy they never let you do anything like heinous because I will say this I think it it goes back to uh, and I think it's something I think is just generally good about humanity it seems to be with video games when you humanize a character you're humanizing what that character represents so if there's a you know um, I I can't think of the top of my head but there's a specific kind of character uh, like from a specific culture or country uh, and you humanize them you're kind of generally humanizing people from that country and you're saying oh okay you know people aren't all X but when there's a game that dehumanizes someone, in my experience anyway, uh, it doesn't, in someone's mind, they're not dehumanizing that kind of person. It goes back to, it's a game. It's not, oh, that person's not a kind of person that I should value. It's just, this game lets me do a thing to an avatar. I'd say the wording on that might need to be more particular because I feel like we're going into the realm of a kind of representation aspect where if you I feel like it would work where if you have a game that's trying to tell a story but then say it paints all one type of people one way and all one type of people another way and you spend the entire game mowing down a certain like group of people that's just gonna kind of stick with you on some level if that makes sense it, it sounds like it sounds like it's a bit of a different discussion than what we're talking about mm-hmm. um, yeah it, it is because that makes sense because I was, I was going to bring up as associated jobs thing I'm glad you brought that up because that puts the difference of the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare game. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Where it was just like they, the developers of the game went the extra mile to be like, hey, the choices you make in this game, look at this. It affects these people. And then like usually Modern Warfare, Call of Duty in general, well, a lot of first-person shooters that yeah. take place in war in general, they 
focus, they tend to get a lot of flack, and sometimes deservedly so, for how they like showcase indigenous people of their own country, like people mm-hmm. in the Middle East, people in like mm-hmm. Latin America countries. Mm-hmm. And this game, Modern Warfare, attempted, and the, it was still Call of Duty, but it still yeah. like attempted to like uh, go a step further and show you that these people are still like people. Mm-hmm. And so it made it, but it left like the moral questioning up to you. And a lot of people didn't like the story because did you play it, John? Which, uh, which one specifically? The new Modern Warfare. Uh, no, I haven't played through this one. I haven't played Call of Duty in a while. Um, because it's like, like you'd kill people and people would be like, you would hear like their screams as they're yeah. dying. I mean, told me about that. Yeah, and then it was just like people hated it. It was just like. It, because it took it out of the realm of this is a mechanic I'm doing for a mechanic. Yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of blood and gore, but it's more like pomp and circumstance rather than an actual blood wound coming out of a real life person. Yeah. And now you've added just like you brought it more into the this is less about gameplay and more about we're bringing this into an act of empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, thank you because you you took it from my brain and you just said it better than I would have. So. I can't speak for everyone here, but in particular, my hope for the future is that we'll be able to, as we just pointed out in the last few minutes of our discussion, um, healthily moderate the integration of video games as a learning addition mm-hmm. and not necessarily let it, it can't be the chief. Like, no. Like, maybe like, hundred years from now, but right now, no, we still need like direct teaching. Mm-hmm. So it's why um, the game I'm creating it can't just teach these kids if we if we happen to be in quarantine and have to do social distance learning. Yeah, right. They still need me to teach it directly. This is not a substitute for learning the classic ELA essay. Yeah. This is this is a uh, in addition. Yeah. It seems like there are so many pitfalls that it's one of those things that it can't really be left to the automated process of an algorithm of a video game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're not out of a job yet, Derek. Not yet. Yes, neither am I. <laughs> yeah. So. Maybe a subject for another podcast. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll say it really quick. You're right, you're right. But um, learning just like how video games affect learning because man the subject of video game and empathy awoke something in me Mm. and i have a lot to say and how we like how it's just an extension like what john brought up where it's like learning about different cultures learning about different things and how who we see in these more empathetic video games and even sometimes the ones that aren't focused on it affect things and how we learn Maybe not necessarily in the traditional I'm a person in school type of deal, but in like the kind of like socio political realm yeah. type deal, um, and how the just zoom in on video games and empathy. Hi, I'm Asia Angelini, and I'd like <laughs> to talk to you about. Um, I think that will be a fun. Well, about why I get sad fun. when I choose the mean option. Fun, fun is a, a curious word. Yeah, because I. Because the thing is, the game that came to mind, we're wrapping up now, but the game <laughs> the game that came to mind when you were talking about, like, empathy in games, I was just like, there's, there's a game called Tyranny, where its whole spiel was that you get to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's just like, I was like, oh, sweet, I'm going to pre-order this game, and I'm going to be the bad guy. And then, like, I played it, and I was like, oh, they really, they, they're really letting me just be the bad oh, guy. Oh, so I can click this option? I was like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, so you really, I'm hovering over it. It seems, it's not grayed out. I can click this for real. This is it. For real. I'm gonna click it. Oh, you did it. Oh, you did it. Oh, I have to live with this decision now. Oh, it auto-saved. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, and God. I, and I hate playing the bad guy in video games, but that's a thing for later. Um, This is a great discussion, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great time with this. I've been wanting to do this podcast for a while. <laughs> um, I have a lot to say. Um, uh, at one point, I was just like, Derek, are you just going to read this essay? Just read the essay. <laughs> but it's like 60 pages. So it's Thanks like... Louise. Maybe don't just read the essay on podcast. Maybe maybe save that for a special I mean, Patreon te- only. Technically, that's just an audio book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Derek, you have graphs. You have... <laughs> 
You could do the audiobook with commentary, but but Derek. Yeah, you, if you pledge a thousand dollars a month on Patreon, Derek will read whatever in-depth study you want over uh, over a mic. Sounds wow. more like if you give Derek an iota of attention, he'll just pull out all these old essays. <laughs> or, or you could just comment probably for if, free, and he, he might in, do it anyway. Look in Derek's direction. Oh, he's already he's already halfway through the first paragraph. Oh, he's already. Oh, cleaning. I'm locked in. <laughs> but uh, this has been great. Um, I'm Derek. I'm Asia. I'm John. And I'm Sam. And thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye.